Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents the 10th Inning Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about the wide world of baseball, keeping you up to date on America's national pastime. Now, here are your hosts, Jack Miller and Kara Guno. It has been a wild off-season so far, and we are going to break it down here on the 10th Inning Podcast on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Thank you so much again for tuning in, Caraguno, alongside Jack Miller. And we've got another guest in the house today, Rowan Radio Sports Department member Nick Rizzo. Thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, of course. We've got a lot to talk about, guys. It's so far, I mean, it's been a couple, like, it's been a long time. I mean, we went last week, but... It feels like it's been forever since we've had this many, you know, off-season deals in just a matter of hours and days. It's you can't really have a lot of time to breathe if you're a, if you're a baseball fan. It's been so exciting so far, but a lot of teams are going to make a lot of changes next year. It seems like the top teams the last couple of years might not be in the top anymore. Yeah, definitely a lot of moves being made, and it's kind of weird because I feel like in past free agencies we've like seen it drag out with the star players and just waiting to sign, but this year starting off with a bang yeah i mean just looking at uh, some of the teams that i think are trying that i thought were going to be going on a decline that are on an incline um i thought the red sox were going to be tanking uh with the absence of bogarts and right. i thought devers was going to be leaving next year but they were able um to sign um some uh i forget what his name is uh, one of the japanese um uh, so they actually uh, got free him? agents, yeah. So they got okay. they, yesterday they got Masataka Yoshida, uh, outfielder, to a five-year, ninety million dollar deal. Um, so I think they're still trying to be uh, somewhat of a contender still with Devers. They just need some pitching. They got Jansen too, Kenley Jansen, on a two-year, thirty-two million dollar deal, and uh, they're they're going to try and compete in the AL in a really very competitive AL East. So. I mean, I mean, I don't see a bad team in this AL East. I mean, there might be like what we thought with the AFC West of football <laughs> would be uh, this coming year. So, who knows? Yeah, without a doubt. I think we talked about it on last week's episode that the Orioles, I think, are a team that's going to surprise a lot of people. I want to see maybe if they have any moves. This, I mean, I think maybe they're a couple pieces away from really like yeah. making a statement in the division. But I think the Red Sox, you get somebody like Kenley Jansen who has so much experience closing in the National League. It's going to be interesting to see how it kind of translates into the AL. And he's going to be facing the Yankees a lot. He's going to be facing yeah. the Rays a lot, obviously, the, the Blue Jays. And, you know, it's come the top teams in that division so i mean if you're the yankees you're kind of like okay we got to face another top reliever in the division and already with the rays and they're a good bullpen as well and then you have obviously the astros not in their division but you know still yeah. in the al so there's still a lot of good teams and closing wise it's going to be somebody um that's going to be really tough but there's been so many you know exciting moves so far i guess we can talk about since you know i'm outnumbered phillies to yankees we can go nah. phillies first no 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 let's go to yankees, oh, first. You we're, do on yankees the, first? We're, we're on the al east topic all right all right, all right. I, was, <laughs> I was trying to be nice to you guys yeah, and let you have your shining moment but it's, it's okay it's, it's a nice gesture oh, <laughs> so judge i mean did you guys think that judge was going to land in san francisco i mean there's even said that he was got offers from padres you know as well did you guys think that he was gonna go somewhere else or do you think he always had yankees in the back of his mind I always thought for me it was either Yankees or Giants because that's his hometown. Um, so he he's from Northern California, and I mean his hometown team was the Giants. So I wouldn't be I wasn't surprised if he would go to either one of those two. Um, so I thought it was fifty fifty in my opinion, and uh, I mean 
I'm I'm honestly more surprised that he actually came back with the Yankees since he's gotten offers from uh, the Giants, and it was an and it was apparently uh, the same offer as the Yankees because I think the Giants thought they had the edge, um, so if they offered the same offer, that they would be okay. But um, but Judge now signs nine years, three hundred sixty million dollars, um, which uh, is forty million dollars a year. Yes. Which I which I heard is seventy six dollars a minute. Oh <laughs> my god! So this guy is making uh, three fourths <laughs> of a hundred dollars every minute that he lives for the next nine years. Oh so, um, which is kind of chaotic. But what's also crazy is that the Yankees before the season offered a seven year, two hundred and fourteen million dollar um, offer to him or an extension for him. But he declined it and then hit 62 home <laughs> <Right>. runs <laughs> and gets a uh, quick math like 150 million more dollars uh, with two more years to his name. So, uh, I mean, he's he proved his point that he deserves more money and more years with the Yankees. And um, as Sam Prince was saying, he's a Yankee for life. So um, <laughs> he's I. But do you think like I was swinging this over to you, Nick? Do you think like this contract is going to be too much? In the long run, like once it gets to like year six of this contract, do you think like, oh, this is one of the biggest overpayments, or do you think he's still going to be dominant through the rest of his nine years with a Yankee? Honestly, like towards the end, it will probably he will not be worth the money that he's getting by the end of the contract. But the Yankees, they're more signing him for the short term for their window right now. I don't love the years or the money. I just think it, it, it is mu- it is a little much. And he was going to get it no matter where he went. Don't get me wrong. True. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if you, I heard, I saw a stat earlier today. Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge both have nine years left on their contracts now. Yeah. Bryce Harper is owed two hundred twenty-two million, and Judge now has the three hundred sixty million. So. It's in comparison to other deals around the league, Judge is definitely getting a lot more. But we saw, like us Phillies fans, Jack, Ryan Howard towards the end of his deal. You know, was it fun watching him in 2013, 2014? No, he he wasn't the same player, but he was dominant in 2005, 2006, 2007, all the way through his prime, which essentially ended in 2011. Yeah, when he wore his ACL, yeah. But those last years were worth it because of the years that he put in before when the Phillies were perennial playoff contenders, perennial World Series contenders. So that's my take on it. I think that the deal will be worth it in the end, even if he isn't the same player, just because of the short-term effect that it has and how dominant he will be for the next four to five years. But I think I'm honestly really surprised that he did go back to the Yankees. I didn't think, I thought out of the three teams, Yankees, Giants, Padres, I thought the Yankees actually had the least amount of chance to get them just because the Giants, I thought, were the favorites just because, you know, they've always been linked to him. It's his hometown. And the Padres, they make splashes, the Padres, yeah. the past few years. Yeah. They will, we'll get into the Xander signing later, but they went after Trey Turner. They got Soto at the deadline last year and, you know, Get going after Judge would just be a classic Padres move, and I believe they did make a push for him. I think they offered yeah. him more money than the right. Yankees, yeah, north of four hundred million. So they did make a push for him, but in the end, Judge goes back to the Yankees. And to me, I look at this situation, and it's like there's more factors than just baseball. You look at living in the state of California; that's expensive in its own mm-hmm. compared to living in New York. So, you know, the Padres 
it, it almost seems like they have to throw out that kind of money and beat teams with the money because the location isn't as good as others. Yeah, we'll put a, a pin on that conversation because I want to get into that later when we talk about other players that the Padres try to sign. <laughs> but, Kara, what do you think uh, of Judge? Do you think he's in the long run, will he be overpaid, or do you think it's a good deal for him right now? Like, I mean, you're the Yankee fan, so what do you what do you think of his contract? Nine years, three sixty mil. I have to say, before this, you know, I think all Yankees fans were kind of shaking in their boots, realistically, because we know what he's worth. Everybody in the league knows what he's worth, but there's a constant in the back of your mind saying, "Okay, judges, he wants to go somewhere else. He wants to win. He, the guy deserves to win. He can when he put up sixty two home runs. Although he did struggle a little bit, obviously in the playoffs, and the Yankees disappointed in the playoffs. This is a guy who literally carried the team and the whole franchise is surrounding themselves around judge you know the judges chambers they have all these things for judge and they they have all the marketing wise and tactic wise and money wise it makes sense for the yankees to get judge because they would lose so half their fan base would be gone i think realistically without judge they would lose all the millions of dollars that you know he's worth so i think in the long run it makes sense for them not only baseball wise and talent wise but for the yankees and their profitability i think they needed judge they needed judge i think you know i heard that you know um hal got on the phone with judge and you know talked about him and said what do you what is it going to take for you to come back to new york and i originally heard that the deal was for eight years but judge wanted that extra year and so they tacked on that year and then i guess that was there 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 to seal the deal and i think people now are kind of saying you know it was always new york it was always the yankees he was always going to come back but i don't know if that was actually the case we will we'll really never know i mean maybe i think judge is also kind of keeps himself on the media he never really gives too much away in press conferences he kind of always stays composed so i don't really think he's gonna give too much away if there's a press conference and kind of things like that but judge you know i think i'm very happy now that he's yankees you need the guy on your team but i think that that judge maybe said you need to get another winning piece i hope he said you know you need to get somebody else on this team to get take us to that next level because he can't do it alone so i think maybe he got on the phone and said you have to promise me that you're going to go after somebody else we're going to get more pieces maybe we're going to get pitching we're going to get starter starters or another shortstop so i think there's a lot at stake for the yankees but this is a guy that it's going to carry the team. And I think just what's next for him is he's got to be named the captain. I think he's going to be the captain of the squad. Everybody thinks of him that way. Of course. It's just, I think, a moment, couple of days away from, I mean, Judge being the captain. So now I can say that I'll officially get my Judge jersey. I'll put that in order. <laughs> I was I was holding out because I really nice. love Judge, but you got I want the guy to be a Yankee for life. And, you know, just, you know, baseball fan, like Yankee fan aside, baseball fan, it's just, I think he, that's where he belongs. So I'm, I'm just happy that he's back. And it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, mm-hmm. but... I think it'll be worth it in the end for the Yankees. And uh, I just want to make one more point on this situation. That's a great point about the fan base and the marketability too. And it's easy to look at the situation and say, oh, it's a lot of money. They could have just used it elsewhere and got three to four more pieces. But realistically, it would be very tough for the Yankees to get three of the remaining top guys on the market. You know, like if we look at the shortstops, Correa, and then we have Rodon still very unlikely that the Yankees would get most, if not all, of these top guys. So, overall, I think it's just a move that had to be made if you're the Yankees. I agree. So, um, speaking of lifelong or uh, all-time Yankee, do we think that once this contract's over, do we think he's going to go to San Francisco for a year and then retire, like, or go to another team and retire? Or do you think he's going to retire, <clears throat> excuse me, retire as a Yankee after this deal is done. Do you think he's retiring once this contract's over? I don't know. I think depending on how it goes with the Yankees, I think the guy wants to win a championship. So if they yeah. don't win the championship, 
in nine years. That's kind of shame on the Yankees for not pulling that out, pulling that, you know, organizationally. But you never know. I think if Judge continues at the pace that he's played, because he's always been a great hitter, you know, his defense, I think, has improved throughout his time, especially the Yankees. And I think that maybe we'll see him more, maybe seven years, or maybe two or three years left on the contract, we'll probably see him more in the DH role. Because he, he started out older. He's a lot of old, one of, quote-unquote, older players in the league. He didn't come in as young as some of the other guys who were coming in. So I think for Judge, it's kind of time will tell. But I think for right now, the Yankees have to look in the one- or two-year future and say, we have a really good system, we have really good players, but we need a couple more pieces to really kind of compete with teams like the Astros. So again, kind of get the job done. So I think Judge is probably thinking short-term right now, obviously thinking long-term with the money-wise, but saying that he wants to win now. So one stat that I saw um, on at CBS Sports uh, on Instagram released is that the New York Yankees' big three are worth $1.01 billion. <laughs> that includes Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Garrett Cole. The entire Marlins franchise is worth <laughs> $990 million. So three oh. players are worth more than an entire baseball team. Oh my God. That's insane. Um, so I thought that was uh, a pretty cool, uh, I guess, cool stat. Um, I think crazy. the Marlins, I mean, Marlins, they just got to get pieces. The Marlins always try and rebuild, but um, they always try and get that young talent in. And then once the young talent gets traded away, then they start popping off. For example, like Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, he's still, I mean, he popped off with the Marlins, but. Right. Um, also, people like uh, Christian Yelich, Ozuna, st- uh, players like them. But we'll switch, um, since the Marlins are in the NL East, uh, we'll switch <laughs> over to the NL East. Uh, Phillies, uh, me and Nick Rizzo's Phillies, signed <laughs> Trey Turner, shortstop from the Dodgers, to an 11-year, $300 million deal. And they also signed and added to the rotation Taiwan Walker to a four-year, $72 million deal. Um, so now our lineup is pretty stacked. We filled the hole of Eugene Segura. And um, I wanted to throw this out there, um, this question. My dad um, heard this, I think, on 94 WIP. And they said that they're thinking, or like there's a prediction out there, that they might trade Reese Hoskins for a starting pitcher, hmm. re-sign Segura, and put him at third. And then you put Bohm at first. Jeez. Oh, so I don't, I don't, Nick. I want your opinion on this. <laughs> what do you think of that whole scenario or whatever of the hypothetical Hoskins trade? Yeah. I mean, personally, right off the bat, this is my first time hearing of this hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Not a huge fan right off the bat. Yeah, just um, I'm the same way. <laughs> the offense definitely takes a hit replacing Reese with Gene. You know, Reese, we talk about his defense. It, it's not good. No. He's not he's not a good first baseman, but the guy will give you 30 home runs a year, close to 100 RBIs. I think his bat is just too much to take out of the lineup, especially considering all the firepower that we have now with Harper, Schwarber, Trey Turner now, mm-hmm. Hoskins, JT. I mean, like you said, the lineup is just stacked. So I, I think it would be a lot to sacrifice a bat like that. And then if you bring in Gene, I mean, his defense is good, but his defense isn't elite. Yeah. So I, I just don't see the risk will risk reward in that scenario i would just keep hoskins i agree i think a lot of people are overreacting about how streakiness or the streakiness of hoskins of how he gets super hot but when he's hot he's hot but when he's cold he's mm-hmm. he can't hit the ball and it's a fair time. concern so uh, it's but he's also and is also his defense is not as great as well so i mean it's a it's a cool prediction but i don't think it's the best move for the phillies 
Um, but I, for me, it's about this whole Trey Turner signing. Um, it's kind of weird for me to see Trey Turner in red. I mean, Nationals, in my opinion, are a blue team. <laughs> and the Dodgers are also blue. So to see Turner in a red uniform for once, or red and white, whatever you want to call it, um, red pinstripes. Baby. Yeah, the pin, red pinstripes. <laughs> yes, um, it's 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 cool for me. I mean, <clears throat> being a lifelong Phillies fan, but um, uh, Kara, what did you uh, think of the whole Trey Turner thing? I kind of knew that he was probably going to go to Philly. There was a lot of speculation beforehand, so I think it was just a matter of what time and like how much I think the deal was going to be. But I think it's going to be really cool to see Trey Turner. You know, with the Phillies, obviously, then you probably move you start to second. I'm assuming with probably Segura on the bench, kind of off the bench, I think in that role would be kind of beneficial for the Phillies. So with Turner, I think also just looking at his stats-wise, last season was one of his best years. And on the Dodgers, you know, cutting traded, you know, to the Dodgers and spending them with 2021 and then last season as well. So it was like first full really stickly year with the Dodgers. He did really well. He hit 21 home runs, which I don't think people kind of expect from the guy. I think he'll probably say in that 15 to 20 range yeah. home run wise, which I mean, to add that to their lineup, your the Phillies lineup is pretty good because yeah. you, you already have, you know, and especially with Harper, you know, being injured and whatnot, and he's yep. going to be out for a while. So that's somebody I guess who can, kind of fill the void in that sense not as much power obviously he's not going to blow you away by any means but his defense I think and I think also a different side of this is that he I think fits in that Philly mindset that Philly attitude like he's going to fit in so well he's got that like swagger about him you know he think he's going to bring a a lot of excitement to Philly and I think he kind of fits in with the Philly team I think other guys maybe shortstops on the market like Correa for example I don't think he fits in Philly I don't think he they would it would they would pair well together I agree so I think the shortstops on the market wise I think Turner was definitely the best fit and he has a history with Harper they were played on the same team they played for the Nationals together and you know they were close then so why not bring the guy back again who can just add defense to the team and also you know be consistently at the plate and he's he's fast so he's gonna get on base and he's gonna you know again just makes teams work and that's I think that's what the team for the Phillies are about like always hustling always gritty and you know they're not gonna to overpower you and and they go on these crazy runs and you know see what happens so again i think it just makes the phillies lineup a lot more dangerous so hopefully next year even without the absence of bryce harper for a lot of the season they could kind of make a splash yeah there's rumors for bryce harper to be back either by the latest um all-star break but by the um the predictions right now are by uh to hit competitively right. by mid-may so um having harper back in that lineup to just even just be DH, DH um, yeah. would just be uh, would be great for the Phillies, and I kind of agree with you. I don't think Correa would have been had that fit or that mentality for right. Philly. Correa, he's just he just plays to play, and he just plays for the money. And I mean, if you sign him, he'll play. But like, he's not a guy that will play like as well as getting the money, like and hustle right. and whatever. Um, I saw Bogarts and Swanson like would be a good fit. Um, yeah, because I would definitely see Swanson be a good fit because he. Loved being with the Braves and that whole organization, and I think he would just fit well. But I think just him not him being a Brave wouldn't be right for him to sign with with the Phillies, even though they got knocked out by the Phillies. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and then the Phillies also signed uh, Taiwan Walker to a four year, seventy two million dollar deal. Um, so, do the, do we think that they have the best rotation fully, like including bullpen um, in the NL East? Or do they need one more starter or one more bullpen piece to have that um, best pitching in the NL East, Nick? Well, I don't think that the pitching is complete yet by any means. The rotation I really like now with Walker. You got Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we might lose Syndergaard, though. That's a problem. Might lose Syndergaard. The fifth starter will have to be addressed, and I think we can skate by in the regular season with either Falter or, you know, if we call a Painter. Yeah, Painter. I hope we get Painter able up soon. I want one of them to be just like a bullpen guy. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. But um, the rotation, I, I love. Nola, Wheeler, that's a nice one-two punch. Suarez, if he can keep doing what he's doing, that would be huge in the three spot. Now, Walker, I love him in the four. And then, like I said, the fifth starter, regular season, we could skate by. And then the playoffs, uh, fifth starter isn't really as important. But the bullpen, we also got that lefty arm out of the bullpen. Uh, name isn't ringing a bell in my head right now, but that's that'll be a huge piece out of the pen. And then we still have Alvarado and Sir Anthony, oh, kind of the hard hitters. Uh, Strom, that's who you're thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Strom from from Boston. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. So that that's another huge piece for mid to late game. Honestly, I, I love the way that this team is filling out in general. Mm-hmm. I think if I think if Dombrowski goes out, I don't think the fifth starter needs to be addressed as much as another bullpen arm right now. I think, yeah, I think you're right. The bullpen needs to be filled, but um, we can slide by a fifth starter. And I think by trade deadline, we might have a fifth starter. Yeah, and the trade deadline is always an option. But if the Phils can go out and get one to two more bullpen arms, solid bullpen arms that can give you innings, that would just complete the roster, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Trey Turner signing, I don't think it could be more perfect, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> Literally the perfect fit. This has just solved so many problems for us. We have our future shortstop. Shortstop is a position that we've been lacking in recent years. Yeah, and Ever since the absence of J-Roll, I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, if we take a look around the diamond, Bohm is our future third baseman. Mm-hmm. Turner's our shortstop now. Yep. Stott is our future second baseman. We have JT locked up for a few more years. I think three more years, yeah. If you look, Hoskins is really the only question mark because Marsh is still young. We still have him. Yeah, I and really wanted to sign him brave. but That would have been nice. That would have been yeah. nice. <laughs> but I don't think they... All right, so before I get into that last point, yeah, I think one of the biggest beneficiaries from the Trey Turner signing is Reese Hoskins because this allows him to slide out of the top three in the yeah. order, allows him to go down to that five or six spot, and also guys like Castellanos, who didn't have a great year last year, he's looking to bounce back. I think it'll be more doable for him to return to form if he starts off in that six or seven hole as opposed to being slid up in the fourth or fifth hole. So Hoskins and Castellanos, I think, are big beneficiaries of that. And I don't think Dave Dombrowski is done because I, I, saw, no <laughs> I saw a tweet earlier today that many around the league believe the Phillies will surpass the second luxury tax, th- tax threshold. So, yeah. And there's still some big names out here. We have Carlos Rodon. Wouldn't that be something? That would be something. I, w- I thought we would get him over Taiwan Walker. That was yeah. one of the guys that's like, Phillies, you got to get the, you got to get Rodon. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the thing is, is Rodon doesn't have, there's no rumors of where he's going. Like, right. yeah. no one knows, Nobody knows, no one knows where he's going. No one knows who he's talked to or whatnot. Like, yeah. he's a big coin flip right now for any baseball team. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, hopefully the Phillies can get one more one more pitcher in their rotation. And um, and the other thing is the uh, so going looking at the Padres they uh, and shortstops uh, they signed Xander Bogarts last night um, at around midnight um, and which I wasn't the biggest fan of because and I thought was weird because I saw a potential starting lineup for this. I don't know how to feel about it just because it's not, like, the right positions for these guys. So you sign a middle infielder, but you have Tatis coming back. Right. Uh, You have Cronenworth. You have Kim coming back uh, for the Padres. But then you get another middle infielder. 
I don't get what their plan is. So I saw a potential starting lineup. They had Fernando Tatis in left field. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably going to be in the outfield. So Tatis is in left field. They don't have a DH yet or a set DH yet. So they're, so these guys are all playing in the field. So you have Tatis in left. You have Xander playing shortstop. You have Kim playing second. second. And then you have Cronenworth playing first. Cronenworth at first. That's just to me that doesn't fit. Let's it's like putting Altuve at first base. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit in my eye. So I don't know if this was the best move for the Padres. I know they wanted to land a big player right on the bat side to be with Machado and Soto. But Xander Bogarts, <laughs> when you have Tatis at short and you're gonna put him in the outfield now, which he's only played like what, like a handful of times, so I don't care, or I don't know what your thoughts about this. I mean, it gets him out of your AL East, but <laughs> but I mean, for the Padres, this is a huge question mark. I don't know why they did this. Yeah, it's strange because I feel like the Padres were just like, let's go after anybody with a big name and let's just get them on our team and see what happens. Exactly. I think that's what it kind of happened with Juan Soto. He underperformed, I think, with Juan Soto and in the playoffs, in the especially. playoffs especially, and then you lose Josh Bell, so you don't really know what's going to happen there. But then you get somebody like Bogarts who can be really good for a team. I think. How he's going to fit in with the Padres is going to be something kind of questionable because Kim did a good job at shortstop, especially in the playoffs. He did a really good job. He kind of held his ground right there. And then Tatis comes back. You have Machado over at third, so you have a really good third baseman. I think it's about the Padres and if those pieces can fit. Because if their pieces can fit, they're going to be a really good team. But if they don't work out and you have somebody like Tatis, who the team's used to not playing with, they went their whole, they didn't play with him. You know, he was yeah. hurt, and then he got suspended. So the team wasn't used to playing with him. So they kind of found their groove and their stride without him. And then he's like, he's going to be thrown back into the mix, and you never really know how that's going to work out. But at the time, he was one of the most exciting players in the game of baseball. People a lot of said that he was overrated. He had all his hype and didn't really do anything. So I think if Tatis can kind of find his stride and mix in good, because they do have a lot of guys. Like, they have Darvish out there. They have Snell. They have good, pretty good pitching, I would say, starting rotation-wise. They have decent enough guys that, you know, can – get it done and give them a good position but offensively and defensively there's a lot of holes for the Padres that they have all these big stars but can they work together and can they flow you can put a million guys you can put an all-star team out there but if they don't perform together they could be done for and they could be especially now in the NL which is really competitive so they could be you know Phillies beat them without these stars some of these star guys so now what's going to happen this year so my big question that I just kind of came up with I don't think they would do this but because the Padres um, went on this playoff run without Tatis, do we see them trading Tatis in any situation, like in any situation that comes forth? I don't. I mean, I don't know what the trade options would be, like right. what they would go after. Who would want him though? That's the thing. But, uh, yeah. but would they want to trade him or one of those guys that are like? "Quote unquote out of position or whatnot." I don't think trading Tatis is completely out of the question yeah. if you're the Padres, especially considering you have to consider it. You you absolutely have to, especially considering the success that they had without him. The team like almost kind of it was almost like the Eagles 2017 team, except they the Eagles 2017 team didn't have resent towards Wentz. I feel like the Padres team kind of had resent towards Tatis. Yeah, yeah, because after his suspension, you know, we saw all the player interviews in the locker room, they were all kind of like sneak dissing them a little bit, especially Machado and uh, Cronenworth, especially. They're all just disappointed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I don't think it's out of the question. And I think they that Tatis actually has value on the trade market. You know, we, we know he has an explosive bat. Um, his fielding is in question, 
but you know, teams Tatis, we know the upside that he has. He has the upside to be the best player in baseball, yeah. in my opinion, based off his uh, explosiveness at the plate and with the DH in play now, I think we could shift more towards that. But honestly, with the Padres here, I think they're kind of taking more of like a Phillies route here because the Phillies, they went out and signed these guys like Schwarber, yeah. Castellanos, and these guys were all imperfect fits in the field. I, I think the plan was to kind of rotate Schwarber and Castellanos at DH, but the Harper in, injury kind of put a thorn in that. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the move for Bogarts by the Padres. I think that you just go out and you get guys, you get stars. I think how they fit in the field, I mean, it, it will be a little wonky, but in, like I said, the Padres sacrificing the field for more explosiveness in their lineup, which I think in today's MLB would be the way to go. And so, I mean, that that top half of the lineup, I mean, my goodness, you have Machado, Tatis, now Bogarts, Soto. Soto, Soto. It's, cra- it's scary. They have star power. Yeah. And they have a lot of upside on that team. If they can figure out how to mix and match it in the field. And I think the DH will play a big factor for them. That will definitely play in their favor. They yeah. can rotate. I, I think Tatis is a Tat- main candidate to DH. Yeah, because he doesn't field well. His yeah. accuracy at shortstop, at least, uh, wasn't great. And that's probably why they put him out in uh, in the outfield for a few games uh, whenever he played. I think it was last, not this past season, but in the 2021 season. Honestly, he did pretty good in center field when he was out there. I mean, he did good, but I think that's the the reason why is because he doesn't need to have that accuracy that or the poor accuracy that he had at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep it on the topic of the Padres. So they outbid um, each team. Uh, they outbid the Phillies for Trey Turner. And they outbid Aaron Judge with his contract going 400 plus instead of the 360 million. Um, so I think so. The reason why these guys aren't going out in playing for the Padres is because of the California income tax. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the California income tax. So whenever you sign a contract or whatever, um, they California takes 10 percent of it, right? So if if Judge signs that $400 million contract, California is taking $40 million. Mm -hmm. So technically, from them outbidding the Yankees, uh, they actually put up the same offer um, for $360 million because of that 10% income tax. So, and they actually outbid Trey Turner for for $342 million, which actually went down, that contract would go down to $290. Eight million, so it'd be two million less than what the Phillies offered. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey Turner also has a wife who lives on the East Coast. They have friends out there, family, all that stuff, um, and they really wanted to be on an East Coast team, which is one of the reasons they he signed with the Phillies. But I mean, I guess it's hard for these California teams, even like the Giants, the Dodgers, the Angels. I mean, they, they're big franchise teams, but you have that income tax now where they're taking ten percent of your contract. I mean. That's a huge part for these teams to try and sign big names is you have to outbid them just to equal their offer, if yeah. that makes sense, which is tough. I mean, these I mean, these guys could be like these guys like Iron Judge and Trey Turner can be guys on the Padres, but because this income tax, they're not on uh the Padres and they're with their their said squads now, Kara. I mean, 
it's tougher to be any California team just because this income tax. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because you're kind of saying you're going to outbid these two guys for the team. You're going to get make all, give them all this money, and then in the back of their minds, they're saying, "Actually, no, I'm not going to get paid that amount of money. So why would I want to come here when I can be with the team that I've been with, or for Judge, the team that I've been with, and for Trey Turner? Why can I start somewhere different? Why can I, you know, move out of you know California, get away from LA, and kind of change things up? So I think it's fortunate for Judge and Turner that they are with their other teams now. But there, those teams like that in out in California are definitely going to suffer from that. And I kind of want to just transition into the Mets because that's somebody I think Mets fans, you know, some at the radio station are kind of in shambles <laughs> right now, to be really, to be really honest, you know. But they get you get somebody like Verlander, you know, how much of an impact do you think that's going to be? Because, you know, he got him on a two-year two deal. I thought Verlander was going to stay, especially coming off of, you know, just a World Series win. You know, he's getting, getting older. I thought he was just going to stay with the Astros to kind of – stay on that, you know, hot streak that he was, you know, doing good and throughout the regular season. But Verlander on the Mets, you know, especially now with DeGrom out of the picture with the Rangers, how do you think he's going to fit in? Do you think he can single-handedly take the Mets with their, their rotation to the playoffs? Or do you think it's going to be what it's, what's going to go on with the Mets? Well, the thing with the Mets is that they had Taiwan Walker and they had, uh, they still have uh, Chris Bassett on free agency. Taiwan Walker signed with the Phillies, but... I mean, Chris Bassett's still a big question mark right now. Their rotation's not complete right now. Yeah. They have the one-two punch, but they don't have the other guys behind them. It's kind of like the Phillies, you know? Um, but, like, I like I saw an ESPN Plus grade of this deal for Verlander. Two years, however much million dollars. And they gave it a high grade. I think it was B-plus or A-minus. And to me, I don't like it. Reason being is because you have Scherzer on his last year of his contract, didn't really perform well in the playoffs against the Padres, who they faced in the wild card. And now you have to put now you're putting Verlander in for only two years where he could still be at that Cy Young level or have a down year or two um, since he was just on this hot streak with the Astros for five years. I mean, I don't in my opinion, I don't see this as a great signing for the Mets. I think they just wanted to have someone um, have the star player signing that they usually have each year. So, I mean, I don't think it's the best offer, and I also think it's a little silly because you have Scherzer on his last year, and then if Scherzer leaves, then you can, I mean, then Verlander's leaving the following year. So, I mean, this could be a move where the Mets could be in a tank mode, but, I mean, they obviously have some star power here and there, but, I mean, I don't see it as the best signing, Nick. I mean, what do you think? Honestly, there's reasons why I love the signing, and there's also reasons why I do not like the signing. So, um, reasons why I like the signing. I think Verlander, his, his pitching isn't an upgrade over DeGrom, but it's almost like having Verlander on your team is an upgrade over DeGrom, considering sure. his injury history. I would rather have Verlander go out there for 30 starts a year then deal with DeGrom being in and out of the lineup and just saying, oh, well, the upside that he has, you know. So I, I think Verlander will definitely be more dependable for the New York Mets. But like you said, now they have two very old rotation, two very old pitchers in their rotation, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. And so the Mets are basically shortening their window to the next two years. They're shortening their World Series window to the next two years, which uh, I feel like they have they have the players to possibly be able to get it done. But I don't know. It, it, uh, 
See, that this is where I'm conflicted on the situation because I love the signing for the short term. I mm-hmm. think in the short term, Verlander could potentially be an upgrade over DeGrom just because of DeGrom's injury history and Verlander's dependability. And Verlander has been at his best in the past couple of years as well. But then again, if the Mets don't do anything within the next two years, they could be they could be done for. for they could enter a Phillies tank mode. Yeah. So kind of continuing off of that, last two points before we wrap this episode up. You know, we'll have a lot of segments coming in the next couple of weeks. We have a lot of fun things, but, you know, right now the hot stove is a free agency. What's going on in the offseason and all these guys that are, you know, signing with these deep teams. So Contreras, he's going now to the Cardinals, you know, was on the Cubs, and now he's going in the Cardinals. Molina obviously retires. How do you guys feel about this? I feel like the Cardinals are always a team. I know we talked about this last episode, but the Cardinals are always like a team that is kind of, you know, hanging around. They're always – maybe they'll, they'll, make, they'll make the playoffs. They have a couple of stars here and there, but can they make a splash? Just how much of an impact does Contreras have? Can he change the dynamic of this team? It's, it's going to be hard without, you know, Molina, the veteran catcher, the guy. These pitchers worked with him all the time. You know, these pitchers have that – the, the mentality with Molina, and they know what it takes to win with Molina behind the plate. So getting a new catcher, especially like Contreras, who's a really good catcher, you know, it's not you're just putting some random rookie out there to replace Molina, but how big of a splash do you really think this is for the Cardinals? I like this move because Contreras is a veteran catcher, but he's also at this all-star level that he's yeah. at right now. Um, I think it's a great deal for them, and they're still trying to have to fill that middle infield role, but right now I think... Uh, the Cardinals made a really good move to try and stay in contention um, with the National League, yeah. um, with all these National League moves that are going on. So I think this is a very solid uh, pickup for him. I mean, the thing is, is those it's going to the NL Central rival of the Cubs, mm-hmm. which I don't know how the Cubs fans are going to feel about that. I don't know what Chicago's thinking at the moment with Contreras going to the opposite team. It's like if like Aaron Nola next year goes to like the Mets or something like it, it's tough. Like you, I mean, it's a difficult situation to be in as a Cubs fan, like you lose them, but to the, your rival. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, Nick, what do you think of the Contreras signing? Um, I really like the signing for the Cardinals. Obviously Wilson Contreras at this stage in his career is an upgrade over what Molina was last year. So I think the Cardinals definitely upgraded at the catcher position. And like you said, you know, Cubs fans could have, could have some could be a little salty right now right. at Contreras, but you know, business decision. It was probably the most money on the table that he was going to get. But in terms of the St. Louis Cardinals, I think they took a win with this trade. I think that they definitely massively upgraded at the catcher position, and you know, we saw them fall short in the wild card series against the Phillies. They're just, I think they made a step in the right direction to kind of get over that hump and advance farther this year. Yeah, well, Nick, we, we know we have you have your uh, 5 o'clock show on Channel 1 on Run Radio, <laughs> but thank you for uh, yes, for uh, being a guest on 10th Inning once again, uh, oh, of one course. of our continuous guests that we have here. Of course, yes. Top five. Uh, do we want to do our top five real quick? Whatever you want to do. <laughs> Let's slide it in you there. I got, some, it? I got okay. some interesting okay. takes. Right. We'll start with you, and then yeah. you can get going, and yeah, then we'll then express we'll, our top five right, real quick. So our, we got, we're going to do a top five real quick of top five are our best or our favorite childhood players yeah. that we have so nick we'll start with you who were your favorite uh players growing up when uh you were little all right so mike trout has to slide in there mike trout just when i started becoming a baseball fan was right when he entered the league and started to blow up and you know jersey guy i'm also from new jersey south jersey so mike trout has to make my list number four i have miguel cabrera 
Miguel Cabrera is a guy where when I first started watching baseball, that's when he had his insane triple crown year. Yeah. And so he really, that was really the first like huge historical season that I saw in the MLB. So that's kind of significant for me. And then now I'm going to enter some throwback Phillies players here. (laughs) Number three, I have Dominic Brown. In the short time that he was elite, I loved that guy, man. I even even have his signed jersey. So funny story, my cousin used to work at the Lilas in Philadelphia. And so all the sports players would come in and she knew that I was a fan of sports. And so she would always like get autographs for me and stuff. Shout out to my cousin for That's that. Awesome. So, That's awesome. So I got a signed Don Brown Jersey. He used to be my guy. Number two, I have Ben Revere, old Phillies player. I loved that guy, too. No particular reason. I don't know. I just loved the guy. He was a likable guy. Yeah, he he was a very likable guy. When he hit his first career home run, I was so thrilled for the guy. Oh, yeah. He he needed that. (laughs) And and then number one, my favorite all-time player growing up is Hunter Pence from his time with the Phillies. I I used to love Hunter Pence. I don't know what it was. His stance. I, I yeah I got his bobblehead. I made sure to go to the game where they were giving out his bobblehead. I just oh, love the guy. Yeah. So there's my top five. Well, thank you for your top five, Nick. We'll let you yes. get going. You got a radio show to go. Uh, to thank cover, you very so. much for having me, uh, guys. Of course, of course guys. Of Always course, a pleasure. Man. Yeah. So I'll start with my uh, childhood players. All right, players. here we go. So uh, honorable mention. Um, you, I was thinking of the whole Miguel Cabrera thing, and it brought back memories of the Tigers and uh or and the um Red Sox series. That, uh, that, that that historic series. So I was going to put honorable mention of David Ortiz. So I right. think he's a really good power hitter. Yeah. Uh, he kind of set the stone for uh, the power hitters and uh, and all that. And so number five, I got Jose Batista. I mean, the huge bat flip, I think. The was, icon. I mean, it changed the entire game of baseball. I mean, now every day you see a bat flip from some player. Um, and he kind of just idolized the bat flip. And that was the... I think the craziest uh, moment and also craziest, um, I guess, photo, like iconic photo of him just uh, throwing the bat towards the uh, (laughs) towards the Rangers dugout. But um, and I also have Miguel Cabrera on my list. Uh, He's triple crown year. I mean, he was just fantastic. I think for me, it was just so cool to see like a classic team like the Tigers. Um, I also uh, at the time when they were in the World Series or when he won the triple crown, um, I would play direct, but you got assigned a major league team for your rec team right, and right, my right. team was the tigers oh, so, awesome. <laughs> and uh we won the championship that year so i thought that was pretty cool um number three um this actually was a huge like i guess pivotal point in mm-hmm. my life i have pablo sandoval Icon. I, he's just he's, he's just such a likable guy uh power hitter both and both sides of the bat both right and left and he, I honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I was considering being a Giants fan because of Pablo Sandoval and Buster mm-hmm. Posey and all them. But um, I stuck to my guns. I stuck with the Phillies. Um, and he was just so cool. He had that three home run game. It, wasn't, it was in the World Series, right? I think. I think I think so. it was. But um, then I got two Phillies. Um, I got Ryan Howard. Just, I mean, I always, like every time I hit now, I point my bat. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. he did. Um, so it was a game changer in baseball. And then the player who I looked up to, my entire life, um, from since I was the age of five and to now, um, Chase Utley, my favorite, he's my favorite athlete of all time of any sport. Um, so, and he, I have a Jersey, uh, of him as well. And he should, he had that hustle. I always hustled in my sports and I always kind of just based my play style off of him. And, uh, he was just such a likable guy. And when, when he, uh, 
when he uh, when he left the Phillies, I was a little heartbroken at the time. But um, he's always a lifetime Philly, in my opinion. And he was just such a likable guy for me that it's it's hard not to not like him unless right. you're a Mets fan. But um, <laughs> but yeah, because the whole like sliding incident of when he was on the Dodgers and whatnot. But um, but yeah, Kara, I'll swing it over to you. Who are your uh, top five. I'm just, I'm expecting Yankees, but yes, of course, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> so I'll first start with my honorable mentions because these are players that just like were my favorite personal players, just like have pivotal like impacts on my. So first is Hideki Matsui from the Yankees. Okay. I loved him. I remember, t- like, it's like I remember talking to my dad about him. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. I just loved him. Like watching him play, I was really young, and like especially in the World Series, just watching him. I was like, oh my god, he's amazing. And then another player from the Yankees who I really love, you know, starting out my you know Yankees <laughs> rotation here, is Mark Teixeira. I don't know why, oh. but I love Mark Teixeira. Always one of my favorite players. Yeah. My dad has a Mark Teixeira jersey, you know, like the old Yankees jersey. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's going to be mine now because I want it. Because I just loved Mark Teixeira. I don't know uh-huh. why. Like, it's just like really weird. Yeah. But he was like, a good hitter, obviously. And, you know, at first base, you know, part of that, you know, legacy team for the Yankees. So I just think I love those two guys. And Mark Teixeira, you know, I was like sad to see, you know, him retire. And, mm-hmm. But I was like, I just, that's somebody who I think I just loved watching play. So continuing off of that. Like Nick Rizzo said, I loved Mike Trout. Mike Trout, just epitome of baseball. Somebody who we grew up, you know, watching. A yeah. young guy from New Jersey. Um, I love the Angels are a team that I can always kind of root for as well. Like with Shohei and Trout. I just before Shohei, of course, Trout was a player that always just caught my attention, and it was just really uh, exciting to to watch him and to see him. You know what he did for the game of baseball, especially as a youngster, was awesome. Yeah. And then Miguel Cabrera. I think how could you not put him on your exactly. list? He's yeah. just such an impact. <laughs> impactful guy like I remember you know on on the Tigers just all these baseball cards of Cabrera 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 Mm -hmm. and you know he was awesome and then um I would say Albert Pujols for me too my cousin is a uh, Cardinals fan so and he's from Pennsylvania so I don't know why he's a Cardinals fan I think his um right he was just (laughs) likes the Cardinals my uncle was a Cardinals fan as well um so we always talked about Cardinals and his I think one of his favorite players was Yachty and um so I liked Pujols and Pujols just you know that that old it's tough to see him go it's it's Sadly, in baseball, especially coming off of his last year, especially since he went off, like he literally went off, and his comeback player of the year for the NL. I mean, he was so he was so fun to watch this year, and to see and for him not to be baseball anymore, it's gonna be a little weird. It's gonna be kind of sad. So Pujols was a guy I think who just had oh an impact on my childhood. Somebody I really loved watching, and my my last two are my uh, favorite players. So Derek Jeter, of Uh course, the captain. Mm -hmm. You know, Derek Jeter. He just. So for the game of baseball, yeah, he speaks for himself, you yeah. know, full-time Yankee, crazy plays at shortstop, the captain series, you know, watching him grow up and, you know, everything he did for the game of baseball. I was, I think I remember watching his 3000th hit and I watched that live. Too. I, yeah, I was on my, I think yeah. my old phone. It was phone, a home run, right? Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I was watching, it. um it on my phone or I was watching it on my TV and I recorded it on my TV with my phone. Like my parents <laughs> had like videos. I think when like DVR was like a thing, my parents mm-hmm. DVR Derek Jeter's like 3000 hit, which is like crazy. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And then his lock, his um, last hit with the Yankees was the walk off single. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that and I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. So a yeah. bunch of Derek Jeter, um, kind of memorabilia that I, my sister and I always collectors was his stuff. And then my last favorite, my favorite player of all time is Mariana Rivera. Mm. Rivera, my sister and I. All sports? Yeah, yeah. he's got to be. He's <laughs> my sister and I's favorite player. The jersey that the two of us have is him. 
um, if I ever met this guy in person, I think I would probably cry because I just, I love him so much. It's the same with me, not least. Like, it would literally be insane. My sister, we have all these plaques of Rivera. We have all these cards of his that we collect. And Mariano Rivera, just, just an amazing guy. I think just watching him pitch was absolutely electric. And we always were so excited when he was coming out, you know, his iconic, you know, song, you know, walking out. It, it was just, you, you felt the hype when he was out there. So those are kind of my guys, you know. Obviously, you got a lot of Yankees in there, but how could you not? Everybody, you know, has their favorite team and their players. But those are some guys that I think impacted all of us, our childhoods, oh, yeah. without a doubt. So I think it was a fun way to kind of end off this episode and yeah. a little segment that we can have. And I'm sure as we bring other guests, we can kind of grill them and ask them, you know, who yeah. are your top five childhood players? Yeah, you know, exactly. you know, even if they're not superstars out there, somebody who really made an impact on on your childhood. So again. Yeah. Great episode all around, you know. We're even thinking about doing a different episodes this season. Yeah. You know, we, maybe we can talk about baseball cards, but like working in minor league baseball because yeah. a lot of us here at the radio station yep. have done that before. So again, a lot of topics that we're yeah. so excited to talk about. We might teach Shomer baseball. Oh my god, we yes. were going to do that this week, but uh, Shomer hasn't answered my phone. His phone. Uh, he's so, a little busy, I guess. <laughs> I guess, but uh, it is finals week, so I understand. Of but, course. Um, well, I'm not mad at him yet, but uh, <laughs> but we got well, a lot to we teach might him. teach Shomer baseball. Oh, yeah. So he's a he's a basketball head, right? Um, so. So this occurred where he actually caught me in the hallway going on into mm-hmm. my show, and he's like, he asked me to join his pod uh, right before his podcast right before, and he and I was like, I have my show, and he's like, well, I'd love to join Tenth Inning sometime, but I'm a, I mean, I'm a brave Sam, but like, I'm not, uh, I'm not hugely deep into baseball. Like, I know how the game's played, but it's like when it goes to like other teams and other players, I'm not huge into that. So um, we might have to relate. Uh, or have like a clash of episode of yeah. and one and uh, uh, 10th inning. We might have to bring Aiden Butler in with him oh, as well. Yeah, but we'll fun. see. We'll see. We'll figure it out. But um, but yeah, overall great episode. And uh, we will definitely hopefully get you uh, more insight on signings uh, when as they, next week, as they come around next yeah. week. Maybe if it happens, depending how busy we both are. Right, but, right. I'm sure but, um, there's going to be a lot going on next week as well. Yeah. You know, with us. Academic wise, and with the game baseball, you know it never yeah, stops. It, it never, never stops. stops. So nope. checking your phone constantly, checking <laughs> yeah. the Twitter, checking check Instagram to see what's kind of going on. So again, we we'll, we'll have the updates as they come in, and every week we do our weekly episodes at four o'clock here yep. at the radio station. So again, thank you so much for tuning into our latest episode of the Tenth Inning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in on Rome Radio eighty nine point seven WGLS FM. You've been listening to the Tenth Inning Podcast with your hosts Jack Miller and Caraguno. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find 10th Inning and every Rowan Radio sports podcast by searching for Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your podcasts.